other Masonic podcast. Brother Jared Atkins. Yeah, I'm worshipful brother Todd Whaley. Coming to you from Bethlehem 574 in Birdseye, Indiana. Beautiful Birdseye, Indiana. On a cold Sunday evening in early April. Yeah, I don't like it was 80 yesterday and it was 50 today. I love spring, but I also hate spring. Yeah, my son. Because one day dying. it's cold, the next day it's. <coughs> so, uh. We just did a. We just had a great episode with Michael Neely, a past monarch of a Sahara Grotto and past master, and that turned into more of a Grotto episode again than an. Yeah, but that just that's okay. Go to show you that Grotto is on the. Is there know, is there tape on your monitor? Yeah, it fell down on my couch and ripped. I fell asleep reading it one There's night and clear tape on your monitor. Yeah, so you could spend ten bucks and get another one. Yeah, but it don't have my stuff in front of it. So save it. So. It's good enough. It works for what I need. Okay. It didn't mess up the letters inside. <laughs> oh, man. They're going to hear me spitting this bottle all episode now. <laughs> Be silent. Um, so, what's one of the things I always talk about masonry that I love talking about? What's one of my favorite things I always talk about? We've never covered it yet. Uh, you've tried the last so many episodes, but King Solomon's Temple. I love <laughs> Solomon talk. So, I found this... <laughs> This good little thing, and as we know, I plug on the show all the time. I love uh, Masonic talks and bulletins and articles, and there's a plethora of websites out there. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, one of the ones I like to use is uh, Masonic Find. And I just thought I would share this. And Todd's got his monitor, and for all of you Indiana Masons, you know, there's a nice little five, six-page article uh, in the monitor about King Solomon's Temple. Uh, but I found this article from Masonic Find called 12 Facts About King Solomon's Temple. And because I've been itching to get some Solomon talking at some point, <laughs> and we didn't really plan on recording tonight. It was just a spur of the moment thing. Yep. So we're going we're gonna to do this. So uh, Go ahead. Hey, shoot away, bub. It says King Solomon's Temple is one of the most infamous temples in human history. Now, wait a minute. Why is it infamous? It does not specify why. It's not infamous. Nothing bad happened there. Why do you think they said infamous? Probably because they're anti-Masonic. Who knows? Hmm. Commissioned by King Solomon himself, it was the first temple to be known as God's royal palace. To this day, even though its exact location is still unknown, it holds significance in modern-day culture and in Freemasonry. Today, Masonic Volume will share with you 12 facts about King Solomon's temple, which you may find very interesting. Before we begin, I want to stress to the point that some of the information may not be entirely accurate. For some historians, it's still up to date whether the temple actually existed or not. So take it with a grain of salt. Well, I'm sorry, but I mean they talked about it in the Bible too. The temple, I mean, the temple where Jesus was uh, flipped over tables and whipped the gamblers. I believe that was King Solomon's temple, if I remember right. Really? Now I'm not a Bible scholar. Never claimed to be, but I believe that was the temple that they were talking about. Now, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I mean, but from what I understand, I thought that was, they talked about the temple. I thought that was the temple, but well, then again, maybe I'm wrong. I apologize for everybody hearing me. Don't uh, at me on that. Hearing me <laughs> spin into this bottle. I'm having my first bit of smokeless tobacco in two years. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Todd. Amateur. <laughs> Fact one. How big was Solomon's temple? King Solomon's temple, according to Masonic Find, was said to be 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. However, this dimension of the temple is a hot debate among different scholars and historians 
But the majority agree on these dimensions. What does it say in the monitor? I don't know. I'm looking it for should it. be. Trying to see how, how if big it's not it's in that King is. Solomon part, it's definitely in the entered apprentice degree. Yeah, but they have something here where how big a cubit is. I thought they did. I'm going to have to mute the mic every time I spit. Yeah, that sounds like crap. I forget. I know at one point I knew this, but when you don't keep up with stuff, it kind of gets you. How many cubits is I only had two days to prepare for this, Todd. Yeah. Inside joke. Yeah. I only had 20 years to get it, get it right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even seeing it. Anywho. I'm going to look in the EA. It's in the EA. Keep talking. Fill time for me. It's in there. Well, dang it. I feel like I'm, you know, a four-year-old that shit his pants right now, but... Uh, <laughs> I just, I've seen it before, how big it is and everything, and it kind of gives the measurements and uh, cubits and tells you how many you know columns, pilasters, stuff like that. But I am not being able to see it now. My my vision is getting worse every day. I know that. One day I'll go to the eye doctor, but not yet. But anyway, let's go on to the second one. Okay. Just read all the way through them, and we'll discuss them after we go through that. Fact two. When was King Solomon's temple built? According to the Hebrew Bible, this temple was first built in the fourth year of King Solomon's era, around 970 BCE. Fact number three. Who built King Solomon's temple? Now, see, there's a debate among that. I do know that. I mean, Well, this says right here, King Solomon financed the construction of the building from his own wealth. But scripture tells us, this temple was built by 70,000 carriers and 80,000 stonecutters. Now, you ever seen the, uh, the movie The Librarian? No, I have not. It was on TMT film years back. It's a book series about this librarian who works for the Metropolitan uh, Library in New York. And basically, being a librarian for them is kind of like being like Indiana Jones. You're supposed to go out there and find all this you know, information and bring it back to the library. Kind of like a secret organization kind of runs it, stuff like that. It's kind of like a uh, a little bit nerdier uh, Indiana Jones type thing, mm -hmm. but he works for the I think it's the Metropolitan Museum, Library Museum, something like that. But they have one about the King Solomon's Temple, and they talk about the cryptic masons, which we know the cryptic council. York right is York right the second, basically the second body in the York right. Yeah, chapter of the council is more about the cryptic degrees. And you said there's three bodies in the York right. Yes. Yeah. The Templars, the chapter council commander. Well, they, uh, I guess the main character's dad was a cryptic mason. He supposed to keep all these secrets and everything. Well, his best friend, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, because I'm going to spoil it for you. His best friend wanted those secrets, and his dad would give them up, and he ended up killing his, the librarian's dad. Right. He was his best friend. Right. And all stuff like that. And then, you know, they come about everything. Well, they, they tell a story that Keith Thomas Temple was built by 12 Freemasons. And they had the secret power from King Solomon, the power, the magical powers that King Solomon had, that he was able to. They were able to build it, and so many, you know, somebody instead of having like seventy thousand, like I think he said, only twelve of them did it, and they built the whole temple with just twelve people. Now that's the story they get in that. So I think that's where some people might. You know, Wait, well, I heard it was this way, or I heard it was that way. But in all reality, if you're going to build a temple that big, twelve people is not going to do it. So here's back four. And then you're going to say something, and then I'm going to tell you, wait till fact six. Okay. Fact four. 
where was, where is King Solomon's temple? The exact location of the temple is still unknown, but it's said to have been built somewhere in ancient Jerusalem in Israel. However, to this day, there's no evidence or definitive archaeological proof of the temple or its existence. The only information we have about it is coming from the religious books of that time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of... uh well, I mean, if they sacked the temple, like they, you know, they, the... The destruction of the temple. destruction of the temple. Same way, like, the uh, library in Alexandria, uh, with all the information they had, uh, it got torn down by the Goths or something like that. I forget what it was, but I'm not, not that big of a historian. I mean, I, I like history. I just don't get that far into it. But, you know, all the history made this gone away in fire. Who knows? Fact number five. How long did it take to build? Just like everything else that's been discussed here, there's no real date that we can stick to. However, in the one king's version of the Bible, this temple was completed in the 11th year after construction began. On the other hand, many historians claim it took just seven years to construct. Mm. Okay, I also heard that it never rained in those seven years during the day. I also heard there was not the sound of <laughs> axe hammer, any tool of iron. Fact number six, Mount Moriah, question mark. As we have mentioned before, there is no solid evidence about the location of the temple, but most experts assume it was first built on Mount Moriah between 950 to 970 B.C. This one gets me excited. Fact number seven. King Solomon houses the ark. After the completion of the temple, it's said King Solomon brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to the temple. Some historians state that he invited all the people of Israel in the temple at the same time and compelled them to sacrifice their sheep and cattle. In that ritual, King Solomon also said a prayer of dedication to God, asking God to keep his promise and make him rule forever. It says here in the monitor, it said the, grand, the construction of the grand edifice was attended with two remarkable circumstances. First, Josephus, we learned that although more than seven years were occupied in building it, yet during the whole term it rained not, on, not in the daytime that the workmen might uh, not be obstructed in the labors. And from sacred history, it appears that there was neither the sound of hammer nor axe or any tool of iron heard, blah, blah, blah. We've all heard that. If you're a Mason, you've heard that, that lecture. What did King Solomon's temple look like? Unfortunately, we can't know for sure how the temple looked, but it is said that the temple was built according to Phoenician design, similar to this, and they show a picture. All right. Well, I found here is that the temple was located on Mount Moriah near the place where Abraham was about to offer up his son Isaac and where David met and appeased the destroying angel, which is visible over the thresh, threshing floor of Ormon, the Jesuit. Jebjuit? Yeah, that sounds right. Fact number nine. King Solomon's Temple and the History Books. The Bible isn't the only religious book that sheds light on the Temple of King Solomon. The Hebrew Bible and the Holy Quran mention many details about it as well. Really, the Quran does. That's what it says. That's interesting. I never heard that before. Huh. I don't know how to read the Quran. 
Remember, I left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure that there's some that are printed in English if you really need to. Translation. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Fact number 10. King Solomon's Temple and Freemasonry. The temple has special importance in Freemasonry. Freemasons call their Masonic building or lodges temples, which is why I always tell you we're in temple. And the rituals refer to King Solomon. Freemasons also work degrees which are connected to the story of the temple. According to them, it is one of the significant monuments that exemplifies man's faith in his Lord and God. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah? I mean, yeah, we, we, King Solomon's temple is a, you know, it's basically where all masonry comes from, from the building of the temple, the tools. and Now, there was builders, they built temples before this. I mean, but this was the biggest, you know, King Solomon was the basically the king of all known world at that time. Fact 11. Hiram Abiff built King Solomon's temple. No proof of that either. The Freemasons believe Hiram Abiff was the actual architect of this temple, and most of the experts agree with this concept. In Masonic degrees, there is a complete tale about him that starts with his arrival in Jerusalem and the mastery of his works. I have no idea when he showed up in Jerusalem. Final fact, the king's palace. Some people think the king, the temple of Solomon and the king's palace is the same, which is not true at all. The temple was actually built next to the king's palace. It has many unique things inside it, such as movable bronze basin, tin lampstands, and the table for the bread of the presence, which was made of gold. Mm -hmm. All in all, King Solomon spared no expense for the temple's creation. Apart from ordering cedar wood, he commanded his workers to build the foundation of it with hewn stone. It was his aim to attach the name of our Lord and God with the temple and make all the people know his name and revere him. Well, you know, they say that the wall, one of the walls of the temple is still standing there in Jerusalem. The Welling Wall, where the, the, basically the, the, the Jewish people make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And they'll go up there and face the wall and they'll say prayers into the wall. They even put little uh, little prayers, paper, written down prayers on paper into the wall too. Well, they say that's that's one of the walls of King Solomon's temple. Now, I don't, I've never been there. I don't know for sure. I haven't done much research on it. But if that wall lasted that long, someone did a pretty good job building that wall. <laughs> so, so here's something for you. What's one thing that all Masons do when you become eat, a Mason? Eat. You, when you become a Mason, one of the one of the things, at least for me, I can't speak for every Mason. I'm sure some of our listeners will agree with me, though. One of the, your favorite things to do is to get online and look at all the conspiracy theories about Masonry. Oh, because I don't do that, but yeah, because you're right. once you become a Mason, it's, it becomes kind of fun to you to, you know, case in point, I get a pro wrestling reference in every episode. Sidebar: WrestleMania. What did I send you a picture of? Uh, the, the country singer. With the square compass on his chest. That yeah. did the national anthem on night two of WrestleMania. Yep. He was wearing the square and compass. And so immediately. Yeah, he's PHA out of Louisiana, not Tennessee. Prince, yeah. So uh, one of the things that, you know, on some of the wrestling sites I'm on on Facebook, they were all like, oh, look, Satanism glorified in front of 80,000 people in Los Angeles. Uh, and I, I laughed. I'm like, this is the dumbest post you could have ever made. Because yeah. you're not supposed to get into argument with. Uh, Ignorant. Yeah, but. You know me, I'm, I like to 
take a wooden spoon and <laughs> stir the pot. Stir yeah. the pot. So I was like, this is the dumbest thing you could have ever posted. Mm-hmm. My point being, getting back, is that I, I like to look at all the negative things that people say just because it's humorous to me because oh, yeah. now that we're Masons, we know the real truth. Right. But one of the things I found is there's a lot of people in the world that say this temple, in fact, never existed. Yeah, it's I've all, never heard that. I have found some sites. It should be granted, these are also people and uh, that, that think that you know World War II never happened and there wasn't this crazy guy in Germany that killed six million people. <laughs> yeah, the Holocaust didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That I, I've literally seen people that say the Holocaust never happened. Yeah. Where did all these people go? <laughs> but I've seen people on message boards and stuff saying, this temple was never, was never existed. It was never built. It's not a real thing. And I'm like, pretty sure it probably existed. Pretty sure the... the the Muslims in Jerusalem built a big temple on top of it, from what I understand. But I don't know. But, but there's really there's no way to know them because no one that's alive has ever seen it. If there's somebody still alive from 970 before Christ, yeah, that's. I a, want that guy's <laughs> doctor. No kidding. I'm pretty sure he got lived all of them, but yeah, I don't. I don't really. I've never heard it doesn't exist. Poor again, I grew up in a fairly Christian dominant. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty you right. know, not churchgoers, but we believe what we believed. But I've never actually heard that before. People say it, it, like, I, I, say, I, dude, I wish the, I could. I could find the, the site. Well, the, the pyramids don't exist because I've never seen them in person. Well, take your butt to Egypt and look at because they're there. But I mean, I just I mean, whether it be does did the Tower of Bible actually exist? Did the did Noah's Ark actually happen? We don't know. That's the thing about faith. You know, they tell you a story. You had the faith to believe it. You had the belief in the faith. You know. See right here, <laughs> my autocorrect. I put did my or did King and it tried to tell me did my water break. <laughs> Does did King Solomon's Temple really exist? I, I I wish I could have found out where I seen it at, <laughs> but um, it's mostly the uh, the non-believers. Oh yeah, it, but it's. <laughs> Whatever you believe out there, somebody's going to say, no, it didn't happen that way. Or, you know, you can watch a movie and someone's going to see it a different way. Well, yeah. You know, it's like I mean, a, a prime, funny example is, have you ever seen, uh, well, you've seen uh, How I Met Your Mother, that movie. Yes. And uh, Barney Stinson was a big Karate Kid fan and everything. So they got Ralph Macchio to come to his birthday. Barney was with Neil Patrick Harris in that, mo- in that TV show. Doogie Hauser for those of you people yeah. that don't know who Neil Patrick Harris is. <laughs> well, they get... Ralph Macchio to come to this thing, and he hates Ralph Macchio because he said the real karate kid was uh, the other guy, Johnny. Johnny, I forget to get. I've never, back I, his I, name. I, okay, I watched the first season of Cobra Kai, and I was hooked. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I've not watched any seasons since then. But they basically that's where Cobra Kai came from. But you know, we all see where Danny Russo, yeah. Larusso was the was the champion. Well, yeah. If you really think about it, Johnny, never really did anything to Danny that Danny didn't ask for. Playing soccer, tricks him up. Yeah, he gets back in his face and everything. The guy's in the in the bathroom rolling a joint, which isn't you know a good thing a kid do anyway. But he's the one that wasn't bothering anybody. He goes in there and puts the water hose in there, splashing with water. I mean, he's Danny Russo was the one that started all the crap. Johnny's the one that finished it. So who's really the bad guy here? You know what I mean? You know what's funny about that? <laughs> so you know, sidebar as as Todd and I do on this other, on that other Masonic podcast, rabbit trails, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> rabbit. But uh, 
you know, he's such the bad guy and good guy, but then when you watch the first season of Cobra Kai, complete role reversal from the movie. Oh, yeah. Where Daniel is the arrogant jerk and the bad guy, and Johnny's, like, the good guy. Like, it's it's well, John, awesome. Dan just didn't see, did not see Johnny as a good guy at all. Just saw him as the most evil person in the but, world. But, but it came across when they were... Yeah, in the movie, you know, Danny was supposed to be the bad guy, but really, what did Danny do? He got beat up by an old man. <laughs> Coming soon, the second and third podcast from Brother Jared and Brother Todd, that other pro wrestling podcast, and that other Hollywood podcast. I don't think so. <laughs> where we dissect television and movies. I haven't watched enough of them lately. <laughs> but anyway. Well, here's something I mean, from Newsweek. Uh, what Newsweek got to say? This was released right? July 29th, 2021. <laughs> Surviving section of Solomon's torn down temple wall found intact from archaeological archaeologists dig. Either of you say, yeah. Uh, basically, it's just talking. Uh, uh, just part of the temple was found during a dig, and it indicated to them that the Babylonians did not in- completely destroy the temple as originally yeah, thought. The Babylonians that destroyed the temple. Okay. Hmm. What the Romans um, have something to do with it? I think I was probably wrong. According to the second book of Kings, chapter 25, verse 10, the entire Babylonian force that was with the chief of the guard tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Um, let's see what else I can find. What did he use? That's all I went Was it D8 Dozer or was it Excavators? Yeah, that's because they had them back then. It just says the current exposure to the section was almost physically intact, connecting two sections. It's clear there's a wall that was running for hundreds of meters. Um, there's a here's a picture. It says uh, a Babylonian stone stamp seal was found in a building near remains of the first temple wall. Look at this picture. Okay. Maybe I'll put that out on our Facebook page. Of course, I'm going to mix these episodes in the next couple of days, so they won't hear it for a couple of weeks, but maybe I'll save that. What's it supposed to mean? What do you think? And uh, I have no idea. Neither do I. <laughs> I mean, I know, I, 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 I don't know if we can make an entire episode out of Solomon talk. I mean, I know we could I eventually would. if we were more prepared. I'm sure well, we'll segue I mean, into something later on, but I just. I've just always been fascinated by the temple, and I guess I'm fascinated by all the negative stuff by some people who think the temple never existed. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's, it's, I mean, they say we didn't land on the moon, for God's sakes. I mean, we never landed on the moon. That's what some people say. The same people that say the Holocaust never existed. Probably the same people. Who knows? The but same people that say that JFK was. Nobody on the grassy knoll. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, what, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, I mean, you can believe all that stuff, and but. You, and I mean, there's no way I could prove any of this stuff. Was there another shooter on Grassy Knoll? I don't know. I wasn't even born. My dad was in, barely in high school when that happened. My dad wasn't even born yet. What was that? 60, 63. 63. So, yeah, my dad was probably junior high. So, I mean, it, but there, there's no way of knowing. And no one's ever going to come out and admit to doing it. I mean, just Oh, God. Can we do another sidebar real quick? Go Cause, ahead. Because I word vomit. YouTube. Yeah. Rabbit hole. What about it? Started off the other night watching a pro wrestling video. Okay. Went to a couple country music songs. Ended up with a 35-minute video from a coroner talking about what happened when John F. Kennedy died. Just buried and everything. And the, and the coffin and everything. You know what happened to the original coffin that 
held Kennedy's body from Dallas back to D.C.? No idea. Somebody stored it in, like, uh, somewhere in D.C. under, like, lock and key and guards for, like, 30 years. And then in the 90s, they took out this coffin, which in today's money would be, like, a $30,000, $40,000 coffin. Mm-hmm. They drilled a bunch of holes in it and sank it in the bottom of the ocean because they didn't want it to end up in somebody's private collection in their house. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking... Who the hell, unless you're the Undertaker, is gonna have a coffin as a talking piece in your in your house? Who, who, who's gonna have that? But uh, anyways, well, you'd be surprised, really. So, okay. I mean, uh, there's some people out there with some very weird, you know, likes. And, you know, it's like people keeping uh, skulls and bones stuff like that from famous people. I mean. I guess in the Wild West, I was told that you know people would dig up Indian skeletons and sell them. So like in Egypt, people were selling mummies back in the you know eighteen hundreds stuff like that. I wonder where Hoffa's skeleton is. Oops. I did a full episode on Jimmy Hoffa on that Steel Toes and Scoreboard oh, podcast. Really? Don't check that out, by the way. I yeah, I couldn't tell you about where Jimmy Hoffa's at. I don't want to get whacked if I actually knew about it. So. <laughs> As far as I know, he's that bump in the giant stadium that got torn down. That's not true. <laughs> well, yeah, Miss Buster tried to prove that with ground penetrating radar. I think he's wet. I, well, I mean, obviously not any. I mean, well, I guess he still is, but he could be mossed up for all we know too. So, what a way to go, though. <laughs> Feet first in the wood chipper. Think about that. <laughs> I love history. Yeah, yeah, history's pretty cool, but. But as far as people not believing in this, that, and the other, that's their own prerogative, in my opinion. There's nothing we can do to change your mind. Well, you know, we could build a whole episode out of this tonight since we're just, you know, we were ill-prepared to record today because I thought I was going to have a date. But but we're always ill-prepared for every one of these. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that, <laughs> And yet people still they, listen. Thank you for listening for all the way down Shout Mexico. out Brother Stephen Tucker. Did you see he sent us a message oh, the other yeah. day? Yeah, what do you His to... episode from a month ago was finally released last yep. week. Yep, yep, yep. I've, I've been, been busy, everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but he was, uh, he said he resolved the issue with his church people and everything, so that was. That was actually a really good episode. Yeah, it was actually for just something off the cuff and everything. But we could, maybe we could make a whole episode about non-believers. We'll but just title non-believers. it non-believers. It'd be fun to have some non-believers on here just to argue with them for a little bit, but ooh, in our comment, I you're, you're, we have a comment. Oh no, it's about something else. Wow. So, anyways, uh, Todd, what are we gonna? We, I, don't, I I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, I got some literature over here always. I mean, we could talk about. I mean, we there's some topics I want to come up with, but I do want to get. I don't want to do them today. Um, as far as like things are going on now politically, not politically, but just you know culturally right now, I think we need to discuss. But I don't think now's the time or place for it. Right. Um, but as far as King Solomon temples go, I mean that is like the basis of all of our teachings. If you think about it, I mean that's where basically all the knowledge that Masons used was used in that one building. Of course, we use them in all buildings and everything. But if um, if you really think about it, buildings like that are great, great, but they're not really Masonic. That wasn't really a Masonic building. That was a place of worship. Yes. But, you know, you think of these other lodge buildings out there. You got some lodges out there that are, you know, seven, eight stories tall. I mean, you, at one point, the tallest building in the world was a Masonic temple in Chicago at one point. Um, it's not like it's been torn down now, of course, but 
you think about all these giant lodge buildings and everything, but did did you actually know what the lodges, actual masons, stone masons, what they called the lodge, you know what it was actually used for? What's that? It wasn't the building they were building. It was the place where they stored their tools and where they got out of the weather, where they slept, was where they taught. You know, the inner apprentice, how to do this, this that, and the other working tools, stuff like that. So, if you think about it, these uh, lodges that have these great big giant buildings, those are temples. But Masonic lodges are little small buildings where Masons go to actually learn. Speaking of inner apprentice, yeah, uh, it is Sunday, October, uh, April sixteenth. Yep, oh, my well. my youngest turns five tomorrow. Sweet Wednesday night. I yep. was not here. Yep. You sat in the east. Sure did. For an inner apprentice degree. How much of the work did you do? Did you I do did, charges, everything? No, I did I did the I did the obligation. Obligation. I did the closing. Working uh, tools? Did the working tools, did the apron lecture? You yeah. did the apron lecture. <laughs> yeah, because um it's funny, my my home lodge up there, we always had a list of the cast of characters we always called it. Mm-hmm. And while everybody was eating dinner, usually the master would go around. The master usually didn't eat. <laughs> he was pretty busy setting, setting the craft up. Well, he'd go through and ask, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Or anything, anything particular you want to do? Well, we don't exactly do that here. We kind of get in the room and start asking around then. Well, we forgot to ask him about wanting to do the apron lecture. Well, it was coming up, you know, to do the apron lecture. And I didn't even have an apron up there yet. Luckily, someone took their apron off and laid on one of the podiums over here. So I had old, uh, Larry Atkins. He got like, give me that apron. I'm like, give it. That's what I'm going to do the apron lecture with. And Phil, Phil, Senior Deacon, Phil Atkins, our senior deacon that night, because he hadn't done it a long time. He wanted to do it. I'm like, absolutely. Go right the ahead. secretary was the senior deacon. Yeah. Because our senior deacon was sitting in the east. Yeah. So, but Phil was senior deacon. did a great job of it, of course, as Phil always does. And so I used the actual, just a regular apron, which doesn't really matter. I mean, no. guy gets his apron, gets his apron. But uh, wasn't prepared to do it, but did it. You know, they said I didn't miss a word. I thought I missed a whole paragraph, but guess not. But did that, did the working tools. And, yeah, went over. I mean, if you would have been here, it was funny. Old Reggie, and you haven't, you haven't met Reggie yet. No, not yet. Reggie's a, he's an older guy. You know, you can tell he's, you know. I've seen your picture. He's had some uh, years behind him and everything, and he was sweating so bad in here because he's so nervous, scared, you know, like everyone is. But he had sweat dripping down his forehead, never bringing paper towels to wipe his head off for him and everything. And I felt so bad for him. I'm giving an obligation. I was kind of getting worried about him because he was breathing he's, hard and everything. Because he had the OC. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Not, um, CPOD. Yeah, CPO, something like that, yeah. He has that, so I'm kind of wondering if he's going to hyperventilate or something like that. And the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm forgetting the damn obligation. And so Phil had to prompt me a couple times, but I just totally lose my train of thought. And Phil thinks I was joking with him, and I wasn't. I was like, because at the end of it, I said, you know, I said something about sweating so bad. I was like, it's like, I was getting worried about you, and I started thinking about that to the end of my obligation. And Phil looked around like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, no, really, you know. Because I have had guys start hyperventilating during the, you know, obligation. Because it's a, sometimes it's a pretty scary thing. You know, not scary, but it's just, you know, the importance of it and everything. And how, how much we revere that. That, you know, get you get you going, you know, get your heart rate up. But, you know, I, we did we did okay with it and everything. We got through it. And um, there's some things we could do better, but that's for another time. I'm not worried about that right now. I got a little something. What do you got over here? I like to read. 
Uh, you know, as we always, as I've always said, you know, sometimes I keep literature in the lodge bag for when Todd and I get stuck. Are ill prepared. We get stuck a lot. This comes to us from another one of our numerous Masonic reference websites we used. I don't remember which one this was from. This was printed out six months ago. But this comes to us from Past Master Bill Bell from Youngstown Lodge number 615 in Youngstown, Ohio. And it's titled, Why Men Love Freemasonry. And it's about a five-minute read here. And uh, I will take a brief pause after each paragraph to see if you want to speak or if we'll just wait till the end. A new brother sat near the old Tyler in the ante room, crossing his legs, took out his cigar case. Have a smoke and unpuzzle me. The old Tyler accepted the cigar with a smile and said, I am awful puzzled too, young man. Tell me, am I crazy about masonry? I love it. So do a lot of other men. And I don't know why. I can't find anyone who will tell me why. Old man Tyler, why do men love masonry? The Tyler got up, crossed the room to a bookcase, extracted a book and returned. I read that question in this little book called The Magic of Freemasonry by Arthur Powell. Let me read to you. The old Tyler began to flutter the pages. Finding his place, he sat and began, quote, Why do men love masonry? What lure leads them to it? What spell holds them through the years? What strand is it that tugs at our hearts when so many threads are broken by rough ways of the world? And what is it in the wild that calls to the little wild things? What sacred secret things do the mountains whisper to the hillman so silently yet surely that they can hear above the din and clatter of the world? What mystery does the sea tell the sailor, the desert to the Arab, and the Arctic ice to the explorer, or the stars even to the astronomer? When we have answered these questions, we may divine the magic of masonry. Who knows what it is, or how or why, unless it be the long cable toe of God running from heart to heart. The old Tyler closed the book and waited. The cable toe of God, repeated the new brother. That's a beautiful phrase. It's more than a phrase, I think, the Tyler answered. As I see it, the heart of Freemasonry by which all men are attracted and held is just that, the longing for the communion with the Most High. Oh, you must be mistaken, said the young Mason. Men who want God go to church. Do you go to church? Sometimes. Yet you never miss coming to lodge? No, I don't, but... Never mind the but, the old Tyler smiled. Excuse me, I need to... Uh... Void. Void. <laughs> never mind the but, the old Tyler smiled. A lot of men come to the lodge who do not find the heart's ease in the church, which, you know, I've talked about at length, just our previous episode almost. The lodge is not a substitute for church, as many mistake it. Masonry is not a religion, although it has religion. If the church fails occasionally, it is because all human institutions must fail at times. No minister or church can satisfy all men. Some men find communion with the Most High in masonry, a greater satisfaction than in a church. I think that real reason is the reason some men love masonry so much. You give me credit with being a lot more religious than I am, said the new mason. The old Tyler replied, men are incurably religious. 
Many don't know it and refuse to call it by name, like you, for instance. In a church, men are told various things about God. In a lodge, they are allowed to tell themselves what they will. In a church, you were taught a creed, a dogma. Ooh, dogma. Good movie. In a lodge, there is neither. In a church, you are quiet, respectful, and whisper if you speak at all. It is kept high and spotted from the world. A lodge is more intimate, though, young man personal you can be jolly in a lodge except during a degree here are just other men brothers they think as we do they believe in one god as we do they repeat the same words think the same masonic thoughts do the same masonic acts we feel at home with them and the same consequence through the years of simple profound degrees we weave the mystic tie we cannot say what is composed we cannot put a name to it saint augustine asked of god and answered, I know until you ask me, when you ask me, I do not know. In your heart, you know and I know what the mystic tie is, what Freemasonry is. But you cannot say it, nor can I. It is too deep for words. It is the reason we use symbols, where words cannot express it. Deep in us is something which understands what our brains cannot think. Something which knows in us that is something we must put into words. God is the only syllable which seems to fit. But when we say God, we must mean no special deity, but all that is beautiful life and friendship and charity and brotherhood. So my young brother, there is no reason for you to be puzzled. No man can answer your puzzle. Freemasonry is loved by men because it strikes deep into the human heart and supplies the answer to the question, the food for the hunger which the tongue cannot express. Unless it is a tongue of a wise, wise old Tyler, said the new brother thoughtfully, and thank you, for I am now not puzzled. That was a lot of words that said a lot of nothing, but I, said a lot of everything, too. I actually love the old Tyler talk. You ever go through a whole list of, they are full, full of a knowledge. The old Tyler talks are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that came from the old Tyler talk. I read that one years ago. But if, uh, basically, you know, they talk about why does men love masonry so much. And Well, here you go. Here's something. This this goes back to one of our first two or three episodes. So let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Why do you love masonry? Dude, it's, I don't even know anymore. I mean, I just do. It's. It become it's become second nature to you. Yeah, it, it's just part of me. It's like why? Do whoa, I whoa, 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 whoa! Let's let's run deeper than that. It's become second nature to you, but are you doing it just because you've done it so long and that's what you know to do, or are you still getting stuff out of it? I mean, I'm still getting stuff out of it every time. Uh, you know, I do this podcast is a big thing. This it. podcast made me a better Mason. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think more about it every day because I get up with with you know content basically, but not just that. It's and, also, and, and you uh, know, I keep interrupting you, but my God, now I'm on one. But <laughs> we've touched a lot of people with this show. We have, yeah. I mean, you look at our demographics and our analytics, we're up to over 1,900 downloads in six months. Yeah. Okay. Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Watch out, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Steel Toes and Scoreboards. 2,500 downloads built download by download over two years next month. Yeah. We've did nineteen hundred over nineteen hundred in six months. Yeah, because and we're touching people. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're bringing it to people's eyes that you know there's there's not one type of masonry either. I mean, that's the big thing I think we're bringing out there. There's 
the fellowship masons like we basically are you know right. there's esoteric guys there's history guys there's religious masons who find you know more to get closer to god or whoever there's pretty big there's dues payers and Sorry. yeah there's dues payers mason guys who just want to be masons because they want to get out of a speed ticket sometime because who knows who you will <laughs> i don't know but i mean um Sorry. And people who want the benefits of it. I can't it. flash my boobies, but let me show you my ring. Exactly, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And there's guys, who, you know, because there's some areas where all the cops are masons, mm-hmm. and they'll help a brother out sometime, which, okay, hey, that happened. That, it, it, that does happen sometimes. Uh, one of my one of my, uh, my junior warden, the year I was, my first year being a master, he was the city detective at Tipton. He passed away now, God rest his soul. But uh, really good guy, but he always said, I don't, he said, I can't do that as a city detective. I can't get you out of trouble because there's too many eyes on me, of course. Right. I'm like, well, I wouldn't ask you anyway because I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. But at the same time, you know, there, there's so many different kinds of masons. I don't think enough people saw that. They see, okay, well, you're just the old guy, old grumpy guy who goes up there and, you know, because that's all he knows how to do. But what, Masonry is to me what baseball was to me growing up. It wasn't just what I do, it's what I am. I mean, I was a baseball player growing up from six years old to 19. Todd Whaley's got one heck of a knuckle curve. No, I don't. <laughs> well, I wasn't the pitcher. But, you know, it, but it's, it's what took place of my baseball and my sports or whatever. It gave me another team to be on, basically. Because, you know, growing up playing sports, you're always on a team, unless you're a wrestler or a track or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, team sports, you get so used to being on that team that once you get out of high school and you don't play any sports any farther than that, kind of missing your team, or your, if you want to call it a tribe or whatever, kind of missing that, you know. So, And that's what Freemasonry gave me. It gave me something to be a part of and something good to be a part of, not something bad to be a part of. Well, is there a lady texting you there, honey? Yeah. Like, come on over. <laughs> Cut it, show it. <laughs> Too late. But anyways. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. But that's what got me in the now. Come to the, you know, transferring down my membership down here and stuff, it's basically like rebuilding my Masonic career over again, basically. I mean come restarting to, your journey. Well basically, yeah. I mean up there I was well established. I went through the chairs, I was four time past master. I was well known four years in a row. Yeah, but you know we had basically rebuilt, you know, started rebuilding lodge. Now the lodge is flourishing up there, which I'm so absolutely proud of. But you know I was on a membership of five different lodges up there, and I was just well established. Well, moving down here, basically I didn't know a soul in Freemasonry south of Indianapolis. If I did, I don't did on personally. But come down here, I you know, I, I take almost ten years off Masonry after I moved down here. Probably. Ten, eight, yeah, I'd say nine to ten 2011, years 2011, you moved down here. Moved down here. I didn't get active again until... 2019, 2020. 20, so probably ten years, nine, ten years. Eight, nine, ten years, whatever. Well, I'm not a mathematist. <laughs> but, you know, basically I had to restart all over, meeting new people and, you know, showing what I could do, showing what work I could do. You know, and they can take your word for it, but until you actually do it in front of them, they're never going to believe that you can do it right. No. Yeah, was like, that's why whenever Ron, you know, basically volunteered me to sit in the East for uh, Reggie Pruitt's degree the, the, the other night, 
I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I told him, I said, I'd like to do it sometime. I said, if I could do it for Randy, great. And, you know, I didn't know if you wanted to do if you wanted to sit in the East that night or if Phil was going to do it like always. If I would have showed up. <laughs> I would let you do. But are I'd you ready have, to do I'd the done 80? the charge. <laughs> I got that nailed. I felt comfortable I could do it. See, Seth Beer did a good job at it, though. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's. Future interviewee <laughs> yeah, of the show, by we'll the way. Get, we'll get him over here. I got a phone number now. There we'll you go. Him. But, you know, it's just. It's part of me now. It's what I do. I mean, my wife will understand it. Most of my friends never understood it. Why I do this. Why I want to hang out with a bunch of old men, quote unquote. You know, but it's not about the age of the brothers. It's the knowledge they bring to the table. And it's, you know, I've learned a lot. I mean, from learn like just from how to treat people, you know. I have no one's ever taught me how to make money doing this or how to make money financially outside of the lodge. Well, you know, there's some. I know there's Start some a Masonic podcast. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll make you all kinds of money. But if anybody wants to advertise with us, we're free. <laughs> we will. We're not somebody, free. But <laughs> somebody, somebody told me recently. Like, hey, uh, Fatkins. So you know they're kind of in my. It's Fatkins, not Atkins. It's Fatkins. So what they called you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like so. Fatkins. Uh, you got two podcasts now. I said yes. Yeah. So Steel goes and scoreboards. I said that's mm-hmm. kind of my. You know, I get crazy with it. We talk sports. Everything guys talk about on the shop floor. That's what we talk about. Right, sports. Yeah. Which is a bad thing. I said and the other one. I got a. Uh, I said it's called that other Masonic podcast. I said it's just about Freemasonry. Like, well, y'all be rolling in dough. Then you got these podcasts. Shit. I'm like, yeah. If you want something sponsored, I'll like, please. I'm like, yeah. the only people I have, I don't even have sponsors. I have unofficial sponsors. On, uh, I get a little bit of free merch once in a while. Like, uh, Black, Black mm-hmm. Rifle Coffee Company sent me like two cases of their uh, energy drinks for free. Their espressos, which my diabetes loved. Oh yeah, but they're, uh, they're and, full of sugar. <laughs> and you know, like we got, I got a. Uh, this uh, lady up in uh, Harrison County, up in Palmyra, she makes candles, Nana's Aromas. She sent me a couple free candles because I plug a couple things on there. But it's <laughs> like, no, I'm not making any money on either podcast. No, this we, is, we do it because we enjoy doing it. it. Exactly. I mean, it's like, why do you guys aren't making YouTube videos? They don't do it to get 10 million followers. They do it because they, they just love making funny videos or doing the information thing. Or, you know how much money content creators make nowadays? Oh, my God. It's crazy. <laughs> There's 11-year-old kids making more in a year than we make in six years. Oh, I know. Isn't that depressing? Well, look at Demolition Ranch. Look what he's doing. I don't know who that is. Demolition Ranch is the biggest gun tuber out there. Oh. He he, he has his Demolition Ranch, which is basically his main channel. Then he's got Off the Ranch, which is his vlogging channel. And then he's, got, he's a veterinarian, so he also has Vet Ranch, where he goes through and fixes animals and stuff like that. Dr. Pole, buddy. Um, yeah, well, he, yeah, so he, he don't do big animals, put it that way. But, you know, he is, he got 10 million subscribers on his Demolition Ranch channel. If you think about it, if every video, say, gets a dollar a view, and he gets a million dollars, a million views per video, say, AdSense and everything, if he gets, but plus he's also got sponsors, he's got everything else. Guys like him are rolling in the dough, all because they just got a video camera out and started you know, well, as soon as you get our studio built in your basement you're working on, we can do 
I mean, you can do your own content, but we yeah, could also yeah, do more. Con- <laughs> we could also do more content for the show. But uh, also, like I noticed on uh, TikTok, the Masonic talk on there with Brother Fluff, and said, "Well, you're making money off Freemasonry. That's not right." And he goes, "I said, listen, I'm not making her anything off this." He said that he did. His wife did start up a, a e-commerce page where they sell T-shirts with the points in the circle and everything, which is his favorite symbol, and some other stuff like that. Yeah, they're making money off that, but that's basically to pay for his podcast and everything. I mean, he's not going to, he probably won't get rich off of it, but whatever. But just because he does, doesn't mean anyone else could do it, too. It costs us $12 a month to do this show. Exactly. When we and need I hate that cost. Month, I don't yeah. even charge you anything for it. I mean, and I bought, I bought a mic and a headset. And you bought, yeah. And so I owe you it. money. I'm, I'm getting ready to buy another headset and mic because right now the price is really good on it. Todd's <laughs> like, I'm going to buy another one. And then we've got, you know. Buy four. a bigger one of these so we do more sounds and everything. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, it's. I don't. I never did anything in masonry for money. I didn't do it to get to advance my career or anything like that. I've never done anything for that. I've done it to improve myself. I've done it to improve the people around me, and that's that's all masonry really is. I'm not trying to you know get rich off of. No one's ever going to get rich off Freemasonry. You know, they, they someone tried to trademark or copyright the Square and Compass years 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 ago. Like Are you they, serious? Yes, they did. And the, the judge who went in front of and everything said, you cannot copyright this symbol because it is used by so many people. It's not a symbol that I for you that guy to got own. kicked out of I his lodge. I don't know what happened. But, but, you know, if, say, a Grand Lodge wanted to copyright or trademark a square compass, then everything you ever got made with it, that Grand Lodge would be loaded. But Then every Grand Lodge would have to pay them to use it. Exactly, which... Because there's like, no grand grand lodge. There's no not United States. Well, not there's clandestine ones. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that before. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about clandestines later. But I mean, think about it. what if someone copyrighted the cross? That'd go over like a fart in a car. I mean, which I held in on the way to Indianapolis for you. You damn right you did. But, but it I mean, hit about Bloomington. If you know the drive, that's another hour to Indy. I held that in for an hour. But what do basically same question you asked me? What do you do? So, boo boo. Okay, boo boo. <laughs> so this is you know a lot of it's going to be just kind of verbatim from one of our first couple episodes. But uh, I'm doing this now the last two years because uh, my personal life was in shambles. And it was falling apart. You know, when I came back, it was simply to uh, thank everybody in the lodge for letting me be senior deacon at my grandfather's funeral. Because at the last minute, my dad did not want to set in on Masonic services. My uncle didn't. And I disappeared for a little while. And my dad later told me, he goes, I don't know where you went. I went back in the room and I said, I'd like to be up there for my grandfather's funeral. And uh, Brother Phil said, well, you can just be senior deacon. I said, well, do I need to talk to the master? He said, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Nah. So, and then I What's came back. What's senior deacon doing now? Hold the Bible, don't you? I, I, I opened. I displayed the three great lights. Okay, yeah, he held the Bible, basically. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I came up in October of 2021, a month later, mm-hmm. to thank everybody. And then uh, they're like, Phil was like, well, you know, we got this degree going on at Jasper next week. Why don't you, 
just why don't you go just for old time's sake and then when i got there yeah. there come jackie mm-hmm. ash jackie ash our grand lecturer for the state of indiana yep. grew up with my fa- uh, grandfather they were best friends when they were kids they yep. lived a couple minutes from each other jackie ash thought the world of my grandfather and vice versa jackie goes i'm glad to see you back he goes well we got a degree coming up at honeyburg later on this week too so it's like, well, okay, I'll go. And then I decided, well, why don't I come back for the November state of meeting? And then you guys put me in the South. <laughs> and I was back. But I was I thought for the first six months from October of 2021 to March or April of last year, I thought I was doing this just kind of in memory to my grandfather. And it, before I realized what was going on, I was doing this because I needed this, because mm-hmm. I, I wanted this. I enjoyed doing this. I enjoyed traveling. And why i love this is because i have met so many people and every mason has a unique story every mason there we go todd's social media first right now every freemason every has a unique story their journeys are all saying they petition the lodge but everybody's <laughs> Everybody, I'm distracted because Todd's TikToking while we're recording right now. But um, I've met a lot of great people. And what's really getting me going, why I'm really loving this is, <laughs> that's cool. Since we started, since we relaunched this podcast and we've started doing this podcast, we have people telling us that they love our show. They have people telling us, you just sound like two guys sitting around talking about the crap. We have people going, you guys are, you know, doing amazing things for the fraternity. We have people telling us that, you know, you guys are being talked about in circles all across the world. You know, everybody's hearing about your show. I'm doing this because I feel like, in a way, we help people. Yeah, I think you're right there. And... Case in point, our latest episode that uh, was recorded a month ago, but it was just released uh, on Friday or Thursday. Um, brother Stephen Tucker from Evansville, Indiana, was, you know, he was having trouble with his church, giving him some grief about being a Mason. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about it on the show, and he thanked us for that. Yeah, if I take everything smoothed over. I, I'm and that's doing, great. I'm doing this because why i love this is there's something so beautiful and and the symbolism when you see somebody take his first step Mm -hmm. when you see him take a second step and then when you see the third degree and you see the presentation of the second half you know i think whenever we get the bible that's why it kind of gets me because we've seen guys do the bible lecture different ways you know, some guys do it straight out of the book, don't change the thing. Some guys add stuff to it. They flourish. And they kneel down. They pray. They brother Bill Show, brother Bill Harold Show, Huffman, brother Jim Sharp, all three. My good buddy Eric Reese, he uh, always added in the master hand with something Jimmy Dean, the sausage guy, did. He uh, he did that one time live on the Opry, I think it was. It's like a poem about the master's hand of the, of the violin and everything. And he, the first time I received my idea, he added that to it. I thought it was a beautiful addition to it. And I've seen it done a couple of times by guys down here and everything. But when the Bible lecture gets done, that's when I think, okay, that's when that man's a mason. Yeah. You know, it's not just when he gets his obligation or when he gets his tie, wears his apron, or he goes through the second section and gets raised and everything. 
when he gets that Bible, I think, okay, that's when you're amazing. That's when you get your rules and guide to, you know, go throughout your life. Right. Now. And, you know, and to me it wasn't – when I was going through it at 22, I was so naive back then. I was so just kind of stubborn, I guess, in my mind. I didn't take it as a big deal as I do now. Now as I'm an older guy and I have kids, and I'm looking forward to one day possibly my son joining Lodge, which – for you who don't know, my son is an, is a dwarf, has dwarfism, achondroplasia. So he's going to be a short little guy walking around lodge and everything, which don't get me wrong, he is a little kid in the world. For those of you that don't know Todd's son, his, uh, his son is how old? Five. And my youngest turns five tomorrow, April 17th. So they're in a lot of the same preschool activities together. Todd's kid, and Todd always gets mad because I say little, but I don't mean like in a bad way, but to see that little tyke just take <laughs> off running, he gets super excited, and oh, I man. laugh about this every time. I'd see him at school when I was volunteering. He, he, yeah, he pumps his arms, and he gets into it when he's running. And yeah, he got to. They're all short. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, David. Wade. Hi. And he takes off running. Yep. There's, you know a whole lot of talking out of him. Uh, he, you know what the weird thing about him is he loves watching the weather on Channel 14. He will he's stop. He's a five-year-old kid. Why is he watching the weather? I, he's a 50-year-old man trapped in a five-year-old <laughs> kid's body, I guess. But he'll get front TV, and, boy, he'll, he'll walk over the wall. He'll start doing what, how they point towards everything. And everything. He'll start doing that. And, he's doing his own weather report. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. I think I recorded it to that one time. But <laughs> it is the funniest and cutest little thing you've ever seen in your life. But. You know, but one day I hope to see my son go through the through the three degrees of Freemasonry. You know, if it does happen, if that was what he chooses to do, if he doesn't, whatever. I mean, I'm not ever going to force anybody to do anything as far as Masonry goes. But, but I always thought when you get that Bible, kid, that's when you get the great light of Masonry. That's when the light is open to you. I don't even know where mine's at. It's in my dad's storage building. Um, I think mine's in my pouch over there. You carry it with you? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, my, my all right, Bible. Rob. All right, Rob Hendricks. <laughs> Shout out, Rob. Rob. Uh, I love Rob. Rob be on the show once. It is. Oh my God, that's the smallest Bible ever. Well, you see you the think? ones we give out? I know. My lot did that now, but back in the day, I had little small ones. I mean, but yeah, this was. You know. You know, I've never really looked closely. Is that a? That is a. Which version is that? That is a. Uh, James, I was I say, is it a James? I don't know. What's the date say in there? What, mine? Yeah. When was I raised? Yeah. Uh, June 15th of 2002. Almost 21 years ago. Yep. Wait for a 25-year pin to show me a day now. There's not very many signatures in there. No, I didn't have a whole lot of guys. That must have been a very small Master Mason degree. Yeah, back then it was pretty... Masonry wasn't a real. Oh my thing, God, Kokomo! What have you do done to this young man? It wasn't just Kokomo. I mean, there's here. My uncle was there from Missouri, but Greentown, uh, Center Lodge, three eighty nine. I mean, it doesn't matter. But it's on Saturday morning too. That's Bill Lacey from Clinton Lodge. Uh, Jack Richter, he's a good dude. Jack Richter. Jack Devault. De- I bought my first truck off him. <laughs> Lawrence Warden, Keith Fouch, yep. Excuse me while you hear this sound. It says. <laughs> but yeah, that's. Uh, that's my. I carry my Bible in my. But everybody's. 
right now. Todd posted a TikTok. Check us out at that other Masonic podcast on TikTok. Yeah, you got to bring it. I got to get some more content on there. I just haven't done it. But that's why my, uh, I got an aunt. She's kind of anti-Masonic, I guess you call it. But You've talked about her before. She wanted to, uh, she always thought that we had just a, a saved Masonic Bible. It was a totally separate Bible than what It's the, the same Bible. So I had it, had it in my, because I used to have a different pouch in this, or a different bag in this. You showed I, it to her. I pulled it out and said, there you go. I said, what's that? I said, that's Masonic Bible. And she goes, I mean, look, she flipped through it and everything. She goes, it's the same. It's like it's just like my Bible. I said, "Yeah, it is." It's exactly like your Bible. It's the exact same wording and everything. It's got the square compass and the letter G. I said, "It's just a Bible that the, the lodge gave me when I joined." He said, "Because that's you know they put their symbol on everything because that's the Bible that you know my my guide to faith is right there and the lodge gave it to me. It's no different than a church putting their name on front of a Bible." They said, "Here's your, you know, here's your Bible." Said they make you pay for them. Then they gave, they gave this one to me, <laughs> you know. And yet, but that's why we thought the Bible is the most important, you know, thing in Lodge, which it could be anything. It did the, the volume of sacred laws. All it really is. I mean, we really can't. It's covered non-denominational. You got a Quran. You got your Torah. Your whatever pagan Bible, whatever you want to call them. But I've always thought that was the most important thing that you ever got when becoming a Mason. Yeah, they give you all this information. They give you teach you all this stuff in their lecture and stuff like that. But the Bible, when they give you that Bible, that was I see that now as a, that is the achievement of your three degrees. So, we are. Oh, he's looking up the. Uh, I'm looking at the analytics, analytics of the show as we mentioned that a little bit ago. For the month of April, as of April 16th, as we are recording this, uh, we are all-time 1,907 downloads. We have 39 new followers in the last month, so up 2% from March. How many followers do we have now? I have no idea. That doesn't, doesn't say that much. Uh, over the last 30 days, we've had 298 downloads. Which is interesting because we haven't had a lot of new content out. No, it just came out. It was sitting there waiting to be mixed as I was moving. And uh, this is crazy. We've had 55 downloads of our last episode that's only been live for three days. Pretty good. Well, we're doing pretty good. Um, and still, our most downloaded episode today. Founders Day. Founders Day. Followed by Tongue Tied. Another Masonic mix, which must mean we covered three or four things. Yeah. Tongue tied must. That kinda was the like, one where I couldn't talk. Kind of like this one. Yeah. <laughs> this one will probably be titled something like uh, Masonic mix number three King Solomon's Temple, non believers, and something else. <laughs> and talk about analytics. Analytics. But let's talk about one thing I want to talk about is like how far away our, our podcast has gotten. Are you looking at the map? Yeah, look at the map. We got How one red down. is the map now? Well, I mean, right now we have one download in Melbourne, Australia. Which, okay, you're going way down to Australia, you're listening to our hillbilly voices. They probably talk. What do you think we sound like to them? Probably like a bunch of hill jacks from nowhere. Hill jacks. And then they got, we have one in Japan. I think one's in uh, South Korea. Not too far from the, the did DMZ. You, did you notice how red the mother country's getting? 
Which when one? I say mother country on this England? show, I'm talking about masonry in England. England you see how red bad. we're starting to get in the motherland? I mean, it's getting there, but not like nothing that. like the states. I mean, Pretty much the entire the entire map of the USA now is red. We got one in Belgium, one in I think I, think I love their waffles. Yeah, they got one in Germany. Uh, one a couple in France. Let's see what we got? Two downloads in France, which is pretty awesome. But London, London ain't bad. Liverpool, you know, it's in Liverpool, a bunch of Beatles. <laughs> Not in Ireland. I can, it's hard to believe that Ireland. I'm too busy drinking whiskey. I don't know. <laughs> the Irish. But, you know, look down in Mexico. We got some down in Mexico and South America, which I thought this was kind of neat. We have one download in Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. Which, Carnival, but you go there one day. <laughs> Carnival? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, most of ours is in the Midwest. We got a couple in Texas now. Dallas is the big market. We're big in Chicago. Yeah, that's just the guys that refresh it, listen over and over <laughs> You think they you think they're checking us out all the time? No, all the time, but I'm sure they are. God, I love Marty. He's my spirit human. <laughs> I was gonna call him or try to text him today and uh, get him on here, but maybe next time. But yeah, we got a lot of Chicago. But, uh, the, but this goes back to to now masonry. It's it is becoming second nature to me again. Mm-hmm. Going circling back, we took a long off ramp there. <laughs> but uh, it's, I'm doing this because the show, this podcast has made me a better Mason because mm-hmm. it's the fact of we're getting reckoned. What? Hey, the last couple degrees we went to, what have I said? Uh, yeah. Co-host uh, and co-founder of that other Masonic podcast. And uh, I always forget to bring it up. And I then, didn't say and then uh, what happened at that degree? That guy's like, hey. Hey, you guys are you guys. You guys are that other Masonic podcast. <laughs> we are like, yeah, those that's, two guys. that's us. Like, you know, you guys are the only ones in the state of Indiana doing the Masonic podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know Which that. I still find hard to believe. I, I know. I still think there's someone out there that we haven't discovered. But you <sighs> think as much podcast research and googling as we've done, we'd come uh, across, we come across it. But really, Ohio to Texas. Uh, I know Illinois got a couple. Uh, Pennsylvania's got a couple. You mean to tell me of all the Masons in the Hoosier State, these two idiots sitting right here, we're the ones. <laughs> we're the one to pull the trigger. We're I guess. the ones. I mean, you got great Masonic mind, young Masonic mind, like John Bridegroom and Berkmeyer and you know Dave Hostler and even Mike Nickley and you know Whit- Tyler Whitaker. But I guess they're just so busy with their life because they're so involved. I mean, they're way more involved in Mason than we you know, are. And you know how crazy this is. Mm. I don't care what you say. I'll die on this hill. You might be content creating in a YouTube. Had I not already had this equipment for steel toes and scoreboards, this. this wouldn't even be happening. No, uh-uh. I mean, don't get me wrong. Start a podcast, it doesn't take that much equipment. I mean, right now you can no, go, you go we can do it on our phones. Yeah, you do it on your phone. You go to Amazon and buy a mixing board for like and a microphone for like headset for fifty like, bucks. I think it, the lowest I sound like thirty five, but oh. from what I've read on the reviews, they're not very good. No. <laughs> No, but, all in on this equipment. Before I met you, you did spend ninety dollars and buy a third mic. Uh, all in, I buy fourth. Me, me, and uh, my co-host of Steel Toes and Scoreboards, Kirk Kelly. We uh, all in for everything. About six hundred bucks, I think. Oh, really? The equipment. Yeah, that was the, a pretty good. The mixer. biggest, the biggest piece of equipment I bought was the little laptop. 
which is oh, left yeah. in the bag because I'm plugged in the outlet over here. Yeah. Because I needed the notebook for research. It, it's basically not even a laptop. It's more like a notebook. It's a Chromebook. Yeah, yeah. kind of. But that was about three hundred dollars, and then I got another three hundred tied up in the equipment. So, yeah, so really, I mean, you could do it fairly cheap. Yeah, let's not tell them that, so that way they don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys get hey, hey, if you if if we can but, motivate somebody to start a Masonic podcast, but, drop us a line. We'll be on your show. I, mean, I would love to collaborate with some of their podcasts, even some of these YouTube channels out there. Their Masonic YouTube channels. I mean, we we have talked to that refreshment guys, brother Jim Hall. I know every once in a while you check out the show. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about you tonight before we started. Recording. But uh also the Art guys who we conversed with had an interview with Wesley Reuter. But we're gonna be doing a uh, combined uh, interview with the Oklahoma Masonic TV team. That reminds me I need I need to mark myself off the calendar for that new job so we that's can, a Saturday too. So but I don't hey, I'll switch kid weekends but I have to. I'm yeah. going to that. Yeah, we're going oh, to that. I don't I guess I don't have to say this on air, I could text him, but I already started. Uh brother Greg, somewhere in the moving process of the house would you lose? I have lost my payment slip. Oh, I don't think you had to. So I know that. that if I tell him that, he'll be like, "I'll just tell him your name. Make sure you get in." No, yeah, you'll be on a list. And everything. But uh, that's no big deal. I wanted it just in case. I've lost it in the move somewhere. Yeah, I got called Greg Knight. Actually, you're probably on the way home. I'll call him and congratulate. He joined the Grotto this weekend. Yes, you you mentioned that. Yeah, he uh, the Illinois State Grotto Association. Which, if you know anything about the Grotto, we've talked about the Grotto. Many times we talked about the grotto all last but, episode, but every uh, every area kind of has an association. Like the Midwest Grotto Association goes from you know Minnesota down to Kentucky to uh, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio, some in Ohio and Indiana. That's a big jurisdiction. It, it is. There's a lot. There's a lot of grottos in it now. Well, that's a Midwest Association, which I think the Shrine. Uh, I don't have the Great Lakes Association, which is one the Marat belongs to. I don't know the rest of it, but then you got the Southeast Grow Association, the Southwestern Grow Association. Um, you have your Illinois or Illinois Grow Association. New York, I think, has their own association. I also think New England's part of that. They have a New England Grow Association, and well, they had the Illinois Grow Association and Illini Grotto got their charter. You got basically had got chartered at that association it was a convention, if you want to call it a convention. And uh, Greg Sidwell called me one night, wanted to know what I thought about the grotto, because, you know, he knew I was a member of Past Monarch and everything. And he's like, well, you guys, it, it's, the grotto's like two and a half hours or three hours away from my house. I mean, but, but would it be worth me joining to be a charter member of that grotto? And we talked, I talked about the good thing the grotto does and how much fun it is and, you know. How much mama loved it when you was in it? <laughs> she did enjoy it quite a bit. And I told him how, what I got out of it, how much I loved it and everything. And uh, then we kind of decided that, you know, yeah, maybe it's too far away. I'm not going to use it. It's a lot of money because I think it's like it was a couple hundred bucks to join. And you already have a fest. Yeah. Which is going to be 150 for me without a fest because I think about being a plural member to help them get members to get their charter. Well, at the time, I didn't have the 150 bucks free to do it. And I didn't have... I was I was gonna go up there this weekend, but you know, I knew I had to work, and plus it's like a five and a half hour drive from my house up there. Plus your hotel expense. And you know, I, I I told my wife I was like, well, I mean to drive back. She goes, you're going to convention. You'll be in no condition to drive back. <laughs> I was like, you're right, you're right. So, a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, you're right. I won't be to drive back. And then she knew that the yacht refreshment guys were going to be there. And she, you know, see me talk oh, about wait. them guys. It's another one. 
He's like, you'll sit down and start drinking those guys, and you won't even know where you're at in a couple hours. And yeah, you're probably right. I guarantee mm. you, had he been up there this weekend, even though it was a kid weekend, my phone would have rang <laughs> a drunken Todd Whaley on speakerphone, and then it, I would have heard Yoshi and Marty in the background. I don't know if Yoshi was there, but I know Marty was there. <laughs> I know Marty and Wesley were there. I don't know if Yoshi and those guys were there, but. Marty is my spirit human. My <laughs> God, that's my spirit human. But yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, we talked. I talked to him at length for a couple hours one night about the grotto. But he he decided. I, I thought he decided not to. He texted me the next day. You know what? I'm going to do it. Hell with it. You know, it, it, you don't get to be on a charter that often in your life. And I went, Hey, go right ahead, bub. And then I thought, Well, maybe I'll go up there and join him. And that way, I could you know help him out. And they end up getting enough people anyway. But. But man, I think man, if I'm if I'm willing to drive five and a half hours to go to a, a grotto event, I mean, how much do I love anything to do with Freemasonry? I mean, I've driven I've driven up back up to my home lodge when they have Saturday morning degrees, which I'm crazy for doing this. But I leave my house at three o'clock in the morning and drive all the way to Tipton to be there by seven because they're gonna they're gonna start the degree at. Uh, nine. Which we're going to do eventually. We're going up there. If they ever have a Saturday morning degree, I'll do it. Oh, yeah. I got, did I ask you before, are the seats fat-friendly? At my lodge? Yeah. They're pews. Okay. <laughs> well, we're good. Yeah, we got church pews like these, but a lot more cushion on them. I think they're cushion on them. I judge <laughs> every lodge by if their chairs are fat-friendly so to sit in. If you go to Linville, you might be hurting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no. Um, no, you didn't go to Oakland City, did you? No. Are they fat-friendly? They're they're narrow. They're they're pews, but they they're not like these. They're not wide by pews. Huh? Half I your leg sticks <laughs> half your leg sticks off the chair. <laughs> but yeah, those are safe in their lodge. I, I love that lodge. It's an older lodge, but it's a beautiful lodge. It needs some tender love and care, but I'm sure they're in in the process of doing that. You but. wanna take you wanna throw a little shade at Adam Nelson while we're here? You anything <laughs> to say about his lodge and Hey, and Rush, and uh, I am an honorary member of New London Lodge. I will never say anything bad about that lodge. What about the lodge next door? One down at Rushville? Yeah. Oh, I'm an honorary member of Rushville also. Adam, do you hear that? <laughs> Benedict Arnold. Hey, he knows. <laughs> but no, uh, like New London Lodge up there, it is a tiny lodge. It's just an old country tiny lodge. I mean, you can take three steps across it and go from north to south. <laughs> It's nothing like their lodge would fit in here. Oh, their lodge fit in here twice. Wow. Yeah, it's tiny. It's one of the old country, this tiny little lodge, you know. It's like uh, what's some Deming Lodge, probably the next closest thing I know to it. Was was it Fort Branch? It's tiny or something like that. I forget. But some lodge around here, they tell me it's one of those small lodges too, where it's real compact. Where if you get more than twenty guys in there, you're doing good. <laughs> Well, let's let's put a bow on this old man because now that I am back to working for the next six months to a year, eleven o'clock. No, it's only nine thirty. Oh, okay, we're doing good then. So we'll make we'll, we'll start to put a bow on this. Do you want to talk about some of the things we're gonna what's upcoming this season? Man, I'm gonna tell you right now. If there's any Prince Hall Masons that would like to come in here and talk about Prince Hall Masonry, we would love to have that. So I've contacted the Grand Lodge of Indiana, the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Indiana. I sent them an email, basically. Haven't heard anything back from that. We would like to do something with Prince Hall. Well, Todd and I are, are real big, and we mentioned this uh, at the season premiere of uh, the second season here. We want to do a lot of interviews this season. Uh, and actually, going forward, interviews will be, I would say, at least 50% of the show yeah. going forward for, for every season. Of course, we're still going to do 
mixes like this when we do three or four topics just talk masonry and yeah in general uh but we'd like to do that i would like to to still do the interview with the founding uh members of the fort wayne charter for the uh widow sons yeah we gotta talk to them, them. We gotta talk to dave hostler uh, uh tyler whitaker i don't know if he'll be this season or not uh, i reached John out to bridegroom bridegroom i'm gonna get you bridegroom i'm gonna get you <laughs> i would love to have the grandmaster on here if we can get him on just on the phone well we better do it quick because uh i don't know the the upcoming grandmaster i don't know how well any grandmaster would be fine with me i like to get roger van gordy on here because he is a super knowledgeable amazing you know who's a huge supporter of our show roger van gordon roger van gordon past grandmaster yeah. currently he is just past grandmaster no isn't he isn't I, he doing something else uh, yeah he might be doing something in new york in new york right i do not know offhand roger send us a message i can't remember roger's doing something else uh, off, uh, off the top of my head i do not know what he is you know what i would like in. to do since i know him so well at the laundromat oh Oh, Gail Kim. I don't have to go to the laundromat anymore. You got a washer and dryer? So there was a washer in the place when I moved in. I just had to get a dryer. <laughs> I just had to get a dryer. 75 bucks. One of my dad's friends hooked me up. Now you're and it runs like a top. He just said, <laughs> he said, it's in my way. He said, we ain't used it in four years. 75 bucks to get it out of here. I have no more laundromat for this fat guy. There you go. No more, no more two weeks between doing laundry. But <laughs> let me clarify this. I don't stink. I have enough clothes, but the schedule with the kids and everything, I don't I hate laundromats, so I try to avoid going. So I don't blame you. laundromat would be every two weeks. Now I can do laundry multiple nights a week. Don't hey, worry about it. We do it every night at my house, but <laughs> Your kids are with you all the time. Mine are only with me every other weekend. That's true. So But um but yeah, I'd this, like to get Gail Kemp on because not only is that a past grandmaster, that's local. That's local, to yeah. To us here in Dubois County. Yeah, I think he was grandmaster the year before I joined. Two thousand. He was grandmaster the year of two thousand. Was it two thousand two thousand? Oh yes. Let me let me show you right here. I have it right here. Hello, two thousand one. No. No, because our yeah, dedication. Our dedication of our lodge. Bethlehem Lodge. Dedication of the new building, October seventh, two thousand. Gail Kemp, Grandmaster. Grandmaster of Masons. Gail Kemp. So he was 2001 then, so yeah. Senior Grand Warden, Roger Van Gordon. Yeah, he was Master Junior Grand Deacon, Dennis Harrell. Yep. Senior Grand Deacon, Richard Elman. I'm trying to point out all these people we named. He's now Grand Secretary. Uh, James Chesney, Junior Grand Warden. He's on the way to doing that. Max, Max Carpenter. Past Grand, Grand Secretary. He is Grand Secretary right there, past Grandmaster. And that's about all the ones I know. Yep. You got Dennis Harold in there. Who? Dennis Harold. Denny Harold, Junior Grand Deacon. Yep. Uh, we want to check out the officers of our lodge. I don't see how many of these people you know. <laughs> okay. Worstful Master that year, Mike Deal. I uh, know Mike. Senior Warden, the late Randy Cooper. Don't know him. Junior Warden, the late Harold Wright. Don't know him either. Senior Deacon, the late Ivan Ray Atkins. Don't know him either. Junior Deacon, <laughs> Scott Andrew, he has since demitted. Don't know him either. Treasurer Larry Atkins, not that Larry Atkins. Different Larry Atkins. There's, a, there's two Larry Atkinses. Uh, Secretary, Henry Huff, no longer with us. Senior Steward, Carl Skinner Stephan. <laughs> Junior Steward, Scott Highfield, the late Scott Highfield, don't know him. Mm -mm. Chaplain, the late Emmett Wiseman. Tyler Scott Steffen, Skinner's son. Which one's Scott? It's not Dallas. 
No, Scott's got two sons. Oh, um, you didn't know that, did you? Nah, I didn't know. Our idea. Skinner's got two sons. You didn't nope. know that. Anyways, Gail Kemp was uh, grandmaster. Grandmaster that year. All right, I cool. can't believe this new lodge has been here. 20, Twenty-three years. Yeah, it'd be twenty-three years this year. Yep. I'm telling you, man, the old lodge over there. You've been past that building. You've never oh, been I'm in it. Sure, I've yeah, probably never been inside of it. No. Is it like where the liquor store is down that way? Down that way, yeah. Go across the train tracks, and uh, you past go past the library. Ups. Not past post ups. Go past the library, and it's that big building there on the right. I probably by uh, old school. You recognize it? Okay, so uh, let's put a bow on this, so yeah, uh, I can go home and watch uh, some Boardwalk <laughs> Empire. So yeah. I don't have I don't have internet set up at the new place. Uh, it's gonna take a while. Yeah. So uh, the, since I'm still so basically, basically Zach comes to me, my best friend and my boss, and uh, I, I was talking about this. One of, another reason why it took so long to get episodes out was yes, I was moving, as everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then my best friend comes to me, and one of the companies we subcontract for changed the way they did a bunch of their uh, billing and invoicing and data testing and opt- all this stuff. Basically, 60% of my job was eliminated. Always fun. So I, I work for my best friend, but it is still business at the end of the day, so I can't be mad. He's like, look, he goes, I can't justify paying you what I'm paying you right now for only 40% of the work. And I said, I get it. He said, I'm going to have to cut you down to the working in the evenings. He said, uh, you know, cut your pay. He said, uh, six months to a year before we get you rolling again. So basically for six months to a year, I'm going to be working another job. I still work evenings at home from him, but uh, I don't have internet set up. So I'm hotspotting data off my work phone and I have 50 gigs of hotspot data on my personal phone here. So I use the internet for that, but, uh, I don't have TV set up and I don't want to hotspot all my data and get rid of it all. So I've been watching DVD. You ought to see these. I laugh. The kids are miserable watching DVDs. I love it. In a sick, twisted father way, I'm enjoying their torment. I love it. That's how we did it. So they're watching. So they, they, Bentley's got a TV and a DVD player in his room. The girls got one in their room and then there's one in the living room. And I'm just fine with it. Got breaking out. I'm watching Boardwalk Empire again. On DVD? Yes. Oh, wow. So I just stream it on HBO. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, this was a good. This is good to be back in the saddle. We yeah. did two episodes tonight. Yep. Todd and I uh, will be recording more content this coming Sunday. But again, if um, anybody want has an interesting story, they want to come on, and tell it. Hey, contact us and we'll set it up. Because that that's our goal. Because we, we should end- be uh, doing a podcast with an Oddfellow podcaster. Yeah, soon. I got to get with them. We were supposed to. We should have already had an episode out with the Odd Fellows, but unfortunately, we had to reschedule. It just wasn't in the cards. Right it wasn't then. in the cards. That was during the middle of the move or the end of the move. I'll try to work something out with them, but uh, well, we, we're, we're back that, on. Though. We're back on schedule. Going to try to do our typical four or five episodes in the can. That way, Todd's got family life. I do too. We yep. found it easier to just do one or two sessions a week to get four or five episodes, and then it gives us about a month or two build, months to build up whatever stuff. Yeah. So, all right, you got anything else? No, man. Just uh, it's you, good to be back in yep, saddle. It's good to be back. Uh, if you want to contact us, with anything you guys want to talk about, we can always research everything. Yeah. And but if not, we, we I really want I do want to talk to a Prince Hall Mason. Though. I really we, do too. We want to have one come on here and explain to me what the differences are. If you if they know the difference, of course. I don't know the difference between the lodges. You know what? I, I say it every time. We said it and we said it in lodge. We said it in an episode not that long ago. Them guys, 
whether it's degree work or a state of meeting, they're dressed to oh, the nines they're, they're dressed every sharp. time. Where we show up in blue jeans, like and you're at, like I'm in blue jeans and a hoodie, and you're in sweats and a t-shirt right now, like <laughs> yep. just to record. Yeah, but lodge ain't open right now. So. No, I'm telling you, bro. I've seen people come in lodge. Oh my gosh, yeah. Overalls, overalls don't bother me. I've seen people come in covered in diesel fuel. Yeah, that don't bother me as long as you come in. But you come in wearing shorts. That bugs you, don't it? It does. I don't know why. You know what else bugs him? When I sit in the east and I wear my ball cap. Even if it's a Masonic ball cap, it still bothers him. It bothers me how you give a dew garden sign a lot of times, too, but I don't say that much. <laughs> What's wrong with the way I do? <laughs> you making fun of my hands? <laughs> you don't do it right. You, get, you, go. Crazy. you know what's funny? Every time I give that, Nick looks at me, and Nick looks at me like he's waiting on me to start when he's the one that's supposed to start. <laughs> it's and new guys, what are you going to do? No. <laughs> so, for uh, Brother Todd Whaley. And for Brother Jared Atkins. This has been another episode of That Other Masonic Podcast. We always appreciate your support and feedback. And we will holler at you guys next time. Hey, like, comment, subscribe. Peace. Out.